Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. Happy full moon in Sagittarius. It moved into a full moon at 4.52 a.m. Pacific time yesterday, Tuesday, June 14th. So if you're listening on the day of this posting, check out the full moon in all its glory tonight, Wednesday the 15th as well. And y'all probably already know this, but remember if you're doing workings or spells, this is a really, really potent time to do them. And full moons are generally about letting things go, whereas the new moon is about starting things up. So if you're working a spell, depending on what kind of spell it is, you may want to do a more intense layer of your ritual, or you may want to hold back until the full moon has passed. And it's usually like two days before the full moon and then two days after the full moon where the time for witchery is most potent. I've heard from some astrologists that this full moon is about throwing out your routine and stepping further into discomfort. How fun, as if we weren't already so unbelievably uncomfortable. Sages are all about pushing boundaries and walking into unfamiliar territory. So if you have a project that's kind of percolating in the background that you've been thinking, oh shit, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stick with my normal routine. Maybe it's time to revisit it or to give it some attention. Happy Pride Month to everyone. We are 15 days into this glorious month of celebration. If you're local to Louisville, then you should get one of my wife's pride cryptid tattoos. I'm going to get the Bigfoot and the Bigfoot has a little heart and in the heart it's going to be a little pride flag. But you can fill that in with whatever flag you wish. You can put a non-binary flag in there or trans flag in there or, or, or. And on the cryptid note, if you've been listening along, you know that my neighbor across the street has a giant wooden Bigfoot in their yard. And it is amazing because every holiday they paint the Bigfoot different colors. They have for Pride Month painted the Bigfoot rainbow colors, which just I just, I don't know how this happened, but I really love Louisville. I do. People always ask me, they're like, why did you leave LA to come to Louisville? That was so dumb. But I just like it here. And I think you would too. So come and visit me and check out all the weird actual cryptids and the wooden cryptid in my neighbor's yard. I will put a post of the Pride Bigfoot on Instagram so you can see that I am telling the truth. I have amazing neighbors. I want to shout out to my patrons who are still here. Thank you for sticking with me. You know, when podcasters go on hiatus, obviously it's normal to lose listeners. It's normal to lose patrons if you have a Patreon. And I know my perks have been kind of waning, to say the least, in the past few months. 
It's been a super tough year, full of transitions and difficulties, but I promise to get back into it. Really, really, I am a Capricorn, so you know I always get there. I always get organized. It just sometimes, I can't even tell you all the fucked up things that have happened this year. So those of you who have stuck around from the gate or you just signed up recently, thank you so much for believing in the idea of this podcast, which is essentially following your curiosity and creating a safe space for people to talk about the paranormal and witchcraft and all kinds of woo. We're putting, as my mom said the other day, the normal and paranormal. We're basically trying to make this more of a normal conversation. So y'all are keeping this show going and I sincerely appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And don't you dare think I've forgotten about you. Okay, let's talk about my guest today. Her name is Mary Welp, and she has been a craniosacral therapist and hypnotherapist for 20 years. Since the close of her office in June 2020 due to the pandemic, she has developed and is teaching RISE hypnotic meditation. Her varied background in body and energy work, meditation, and hypnosis gave her some ideas about creating a new method for self-healing. So she created Rise Hypnotic Meditation, a technique where meditation meets self-hypnosis in four easy steps for meaningful change. Mary and I talk about the responsibility of healers, craniosacral therapy, past life regressions, future life progressions, hypnosis, spirit guides, and more. I even share a weird alien hypnosis experience I had. Also, if you're like, what the fuck is cranial sacral therapy? Don't worry. Mary's going to explain that to you. And if you've never heard of a future life progression, don't worry. We'll break that down as well for you because I know most people have heard about past life regressions. And if you haven't, real quick, it's basically when you go into a hypnotic state and you are guided by a hypnotist usually or somebody who has, you know, a hypnotherapy background and they guide you through your previous lifetimes. And there's also past life retrieval, which is when somebody who is usually a medium or a psychic or some kind of sensitive will go in and they will retrieve the memories within the Akashic records, or they'll go into a field essentially where that information is available and they extract that and they bring it down and they give that information to you. You can try either one of those if you haven't already. I highly recommend trying both. I think that regressions can be more powerful because you're literally experiencing it firsthand. I always find them insanely emotional, but retrievals are really cool too. The first chunk of this episode is set up like all of my interviews. But the last 15 minutes or so, Mary guides me through a brief example of a hypnotic meditation. Please make sure you are not driving while listening to that part, especially if you wish to follow along with the meditation. But even if you don't, even light hypnosis can make you extremely drowsy. So please be very, very careful. Mary and I got to talking right away. So you're going to actually pop right into our pre-conversation that I sometimes have like right before we get into the woo. I wanted to keep this part in though, because we talk about why the world is so fucked up right now. And I thought it would be good to keep because Mary had some interesting insights that I thought you'd like to hear. Let's get into the woo with Mary Welp.
have we always been this fucked up? You know, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I think humanity at times has been maybe. I mean, I haven't lived all the lives, so I don't know. But yeah, this one's pretty crazy. My daughter's a psychologist and she's in Uvalde right now with the Red Cross. Oh, doing shit. Work. And so, yeah, so it's real. It's It's very real. So I was just also talking with my mom about how we're going through almost like a transitional moment as a species. Do you think that, or do you think it's just America is a shit show? Well, I think it's the combination. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think, I think we are being called to our higher selves and that's what the fight is about, that there are a lot of beings who want to hang on to the structures that they're used to and hang on to their power and hang on to the way it's been done in the past, they are not ready to change. They are not ready to evolve. And I think that's a lot of not to get to rise, but I think that's a lot of what's my impetus for this has been is people need to realize it's time to wake up and it's time to start taking care of each other. And we are very much affecting each other. So the more we can work on ourselves, the better the planet's going to be. And the more this evolving is going to happen because it's going to happen. You know, people can fight it all they want to to fight it, but it's going to happen. And I do. And I actually gather every two weeks with a group of healers. And they've been talking a lot about the push now um, for healers to be more out in the open, for us to be more present and more alive instead of hiding in the nooks and the crannies, which I think I've been doing a lot of that in the last 20 years. And it's time to really stand in our truth and represent what we can be. Because I think people are stuck and they don't know where to go. They don't know that, you know, life can be better for them too. Because I can't imagine that people that are really selfish and ego-driven, they've got to be suffering too. Oh, yeah. They're pushing harder. So that's got to be even more stressful on them to be pushing so much harder. And I think that's where the cracks start happening or that pendulum swinging. You know, we got to get really fucked up before we can straighten out. We've got to look at the dysfunction. We have to, you know, see the ugly underbelly of a lot of things in order to make them better. Yeah. It's interesting. You brought all that up. I was just looking over some notes from a psychic reading that I had from one of my guests last year, because psychic readings, it could be like the year after two years out. You never know when that stuff's going to happen. So I try to check in. And I I noticed one of the things that she said was that very thing, like that you need to stop trying to fit in and you need to embrace the kind of healer that you are, the kind of, you know, energy practitioner that you are and share that with the world. You know, for me specifically, I'm not a a traditional like hands-on healer, but I heal with your presence communication. Yeah. Like I, I, I connect people. And it's a process, right? Like we've been taught to hide that. We've been taught to, like you said, hide in the nooks and crannies and to fit in, but it's no longer comfortable to fit in. The tension is there that, you know, that happens in an evolutionarily, an evolutionary moment. And it's like, now you just, you just have to be who you are and you have to, because it's, it's, it's almost like you're 
I don't like to get too much into fate, but it's almost like your mission in a way yes. to, to help. Yes. And, and I think part of us all coming out is that part of that, that we are helping evolution and you Fen, have a vibration and a frequency that nobody else has. You resonate in a way that is unique to you. And so you, by you really resonating your true essence, that attracts those people that need that vibration. It fills in where people are lacking. So I'm sure people gravitate towards you and the people that do gravitate towards you, it's because they long for that vibration that you carry. Well, it's energetic too. It's, it's physics. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I think there's, you're that way as well. I mean, I think it's, it, there's lots of fans, you know, well, there's no yes. fan, but yes. there's, but there's right. lots of yes. people there's with no that fan. same, yes. same kind of holding of that frequency that you're saying. And yes. I'm like, and I can feel it. I'm sure you can, when you, when you work with mm-hmm. your clients as well, like you can feel that people want to be around you even, yeah. and they might not even know why, right. but it's because of the inner work that we do. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't have an explanation for all of it. Like I know some yeah. of it, but I don't know all of it. It's just sort of the paths that you, you lead as a yeah. traditional or non-traditional yeah. healer. Yeah. And learning how to trust it. You yeah. Know, to trust whoever shows up that that was purposeful. Totally. Even if their energy is kind of irritating. (laughs) (laughs) That happens a lot. (laughs) It does. It does. Because you're filling in something for them. You know, they are lacking that something that you, your energy fills for them. So it makes them feel good in the moment. Yeah. And they want more of that. Well, you started out with craniosacral therapy, right? Yes. Craniosacral therapy. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I imagine you came across a, not just irritation, I mean, or irritating energy, but you came across people who are extremely dense, a lot of anger, a lot of blocks. I mean, tell me more about that. Like, how, how did that path start for you? I learned early on to meet people where they are. So I realized that a lot of the language that I was using, again, this is in the late 1990s. So a lot of the language I was using about modalities and about different things like that, people would glaze over and not know what I was talking about. Yeah. And so I really had to meet them where they are. And sometimes it is doing just very basic work with people. It's just getting them to be safe in their bodies and to feel safe in their bodies so that they can do deeper work. And sometimes that takes a while if they've had some trauma in their lives, which all of us have had some kind of trauma. Sometimes that trauma is so pronounced that it doesn't really allow them to be present and to just be themselves. And so that is such a gift in itself, even before you get to the subconscious work and to start clearing out some old, you know, dirty habits and and fears and imprints. That's always been the first step for me. Yeah. And for those who don't know what craniosacral therapy is, could you just give like a brief explanation? Absolutely. Dr. John Upledger in the 1980s developed this practice. He was a surgeon and during a surgery he was doing, he witnessed the cerebral spinal fluid moving. He noticed it moving kind of like the water in the ocean and the tides move. It would have an ebb and a flow to it. It would go in and it would go out. And so he started connecting this motion 
with what was happening in the body. So if there's this energy that's going in and out, if you have a blockage somewhere in your body or you have a challenge or an issue in some part of your body, that flow is not going to be there. So he started teaching people how to pick up with their hands that variance, where energy is flowing and where it is not. So what cranial sacral therapists do is they will sit and use a light touch to give energy and support to that area of the body that's blocked. And it helps open up that fluid, but it also helps move the energy. It also helps with blood blood circulation and flow. It helps chronically tight muscles to relax. It has a lot of other benefits. Yeah, I actually dated a craniosacral therapist and she was really good. She was a bitch, but she was really good at craniosacral therapy. Yeah. I ended up meeting, I had never heard of it before. You know, this is like, I don't know, I'm bad at time. Yeah, it was like maybe five or six years ago or something. Um, I could be totally wrong on that. So don't quote me, listeners. I have no idea time or space. I got to be connected with a bunch of people in that world. And so I got to go to this really, really good craniosacral therapist who was, in my opinion, even better than my partner at the time. And I had a bizarre experience. Tell me about it. Well, I want to know first, what was the most bizarre experience you were privy to witness? I witnessed. Yeah. yeah while you were doing it. Because I didn't think it was going to be that weird. I yeah. really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, it can be weird on a lot of different levels. Um, I had one client who was laying there and at the end, she said, I smell horse manure and cigarettes. Whoa. You know, and we're in a little office in a professional building, you know, there's no manure or cigarettes in the area. <laughs> so I asked her, I said, what, when was the last time you were in a barn? Like, what does that, why does that resonate with you? And she said that when she was a teenager, when she was 14, she was hanging out in a barn and had a bad fall. I think she fell out of the hayloft or something like that. I can't remember the details of it, but that's, so when that trauma was being healed in her body, the smells of that event came forward. Yeah. So your body wants to heal. It knows where you're out of balance. It knows how to get you to balance again. It's really just trusting that that energy is going to help move it to the right place. Some other instances I've had is people feeling my hands on their body in places where they're not. For example, I've left the room and people still feel my hands at their feet. Or (laughs) if I've been at their head and then I move to their hips or their abdomen, they still feel my hands in a different part of their body. And I think that's just because the energy is still working in that area. So they're more hyper-conscious because they're feeling that uh, movement happening where maybe there hasn't been movement in some time. So it's not like a non-human entity that just, you know, came in and took your place. No, <laughs> no, no. She's like, no, hard. No, no, <laughs> could no. be, no. Um, it could be, but I try to keep this work really grounded Yeah, because in having it be really grounded in the person and their experience in their lives, it helps them to shift. And that's why what I'm here to do. So If I do, you know, my head spins around three times and my face changes to an alien while I'm doing this work, that's fine. I don't care. I'm good with that too. It's whatever gets them to the healing place that they're looking to get to. Yeah. The only experience now that you're reminding me, I had forgotten, but I was working with a woman once and she looked at me really afraid and said, oh my God, I see demons around you. And 
I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I knew there was no demons around me. I'm, you know, I work really hard to keep my energy clear around me and I, I can feel stuff like that. I can feel walking into a heavy room. Then I found out later on that she had had psychotic episodes. And so she was kind of going off into that. So you, you know, that was her experience. So again, I had to meet her where she is yeah, and work with her and help her as much as I could in that moment, but realizing that she was not you know, truly 100% grounded in her body in this life on this planet. Yeah, that's so tough that that realm, you know, that distinction, I guess, between like a psychotic experience and an actual esoteric or otherworldly mm-hmm. experience, because I do believe, obviously, we know psychotic experiences happen, but I do yeah. believe the other happens as well, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But it's sometimes it's almost like it's not an either or it could be both. And that's, that's where it gets tricky. Cause it's like, yeah. you know, right. was she imagining demons and maybe there was also something that's like tugging on her from somewhere else. It's possible. Yeah, it's it definitely. is possible. It yeah. is possible. And if she were, and I didn't deny her what she was experiencing because it was real to her. Yeah. So I need to be present to that as well. But I think she also couldn't really evolve in her healing because she wasn't grounded in what was real for her now, you know, in, in this body, in this time. Yeah. So I, I don't deny, and I don't know enough. There's so many things that happen, even the work that I do, I can't really explain all the way. So I, I don't try to, um, I think everything is possible. Yeah. Same. Right. I mean, that's, it, yeah. if you can think of it, then it's possible. If you yeah. can't think of it, it's still possible. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about like the grounded part and that came, that keeps coming up in my interviews, especially lately. And I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how we're, we are going through sort of a, an evolutionary moment and it's so important to stay grounded through that because yes. it's, everything's going to kind of pull us up into the, the higher chakras and that, that, that buzzing energy, that air energy. And I think that when, especially when you're doing energy work, like what you're doing, what you were doing with cranial sacral therapy and what you're doing now, you have to be grounded. You have to be grounded. Like it's it's mandatory. Yes, it is. It's absolutely mandatory. And I had the false impression before with meditation and with doing this kind of work that you wanted to go out of body, that our answers are up in the ethos somewhere. And we're, we're gravitating up and towards the heavens and getting our answers and pulling them back down. And the body work really taught me that that's not how we're wired and that's not what's happening, that our issues are cellular. They're in our cells, they're in our tissue, they're in our body. And so really addressing the physical body and being grounded in your body will help those energies move that you're ready to shed. I think that's just a supremely common misstep. I mean, if you're yeah. on the on the spiritual path, you want to get all up into the woo-woo-woo yeah. and really actually for you to be able to handle those levels of woo, you have to go to the lower chakras. Yeah. Yeah. And the lower and the more grounded you are in the lower chakras, actually the higher you can go, the more you can get into the woo and that the woo will be real and it will be validating you in some way. Yeah. 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 It's more accessible from that, that, that starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the woo, you came to the woo Late, right? Tell me about that. You didn't even know 
what the word chakra meant for for no, I never heard the word. I didn't know we had energy or electricity in our body. I had no idea. I, I hadn't even had a massage. You know, okay. I was not very much in my body at all at forty. And at 40 years old, I had an experience. My father had passed a few years before, and I was walking depressed for a number of years, I realize now. I I could take care of my family. I wasn't in bed all the time, but I was depressed. And I kept trying to move things forward, and the weight one day just kind of crushed me, and I fell to my knees sobbing. And just kind of said to the universe, I know I'm here for a purpose. I know I'm not on my path. This hurts too much. I'm not, it's not right. So you're going to have to show me. And I really had a moment of surrender. And then all of this world started coming to me. I started working at Fox Hollow, which was a clinic outside of Louisville. That was an alternative health clinic that was way ahead of its time. And that's where I started getting my training in energetic work. And uh, the physician who ran the place, somehow I got the gumption to ask him to get on the table for me and did some cranial sacral work on him. And he he said, I've got 15 minutes. He stayed for an hour. And the next day he called me and he said, I want you to come to the clinic and start seeing clients. So he really gave me that influx of people and those bodies are what taught me my work. They taught me how energy moves, how it feels in my hands what release looks like in people and feels like in people. And it was really me opening myself to whatever and not shutting anything down that led me on my path where I am now, because I think I was trying very hard to be what I thought was real. You know, what culture was telling me was Mm -hmm. real, you know, that that my kids are well-behaved and that, you know, they eat healthy meals and, you know, all of the perfection that, our culture puts upon us, getting them a good expensive education and all those things. This kind of taught me that's not even, that wasn't me. That wasn't the essence of who I am. So when I invited the universe in to start taking control of my life and me stop ruling it, everything shifted. And I found my gifts and my talents appeared. And yeah, it's led me on this 20 year path, 22 years now. I've been saying 20 years and I had to do the math here for a second. That's 22 years. I'm 62. Nice. Well, better late to the woo than never, I think. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I I really appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think everyone needs to hear that, but especially women, I think, especially in Western culture, I don't know, maybe it's everywhere. I'm not a, a... a master in all cultures and and how women are treated. But I think that there's a lot of perfectionism, like you said, and it's just, it's like rampant. I'm a recovering perfectionist, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm working with Brene Brown trying to fix that shit. Oh, there you go. Good girl. Well, I shouldn't say fix, but yeah, yeah. She's she's amazing. And, And I think that it just goes back to what we were saying earlier, that surrendering to what is your path and what is, what that calling is. Can I read you this quote, please? Yes, please. It's by Emily McDowell. It's called Finding Yourself. Finding yourself is not really how it works. You aren't a $10 bill in last winter's coat pocket. You are also not lost. Your true self is right there, buried under cultural conditioning, other people's opinions, and inaccurate conclusions you drew as a kid that became your beliefs about who you are. 
Finding yourself is actually returning to yourself and unlearning and excavation and remembering who you were before the world got its hands on you. Oh, that's so good. That's how the Rise book starts. I think that's what we all need to start peeling off the layers that aren't true to who we are. The masks. Yeah. Fitting in is so important. We put that at such a high priority, fitting in over being true to who we are. Mm. Yeah. And fitting in means that you're part of the status quo and the status Mm -hmm. quo is trash. So, I mean, it's not that cool guys. Like, like, let it go. (laughs) I mean, and and I'm saying that to myself too, as somebody who has had to really learn that. I mean, I moved around a lot. So I've lived in more homes than years of my life. Like I'm, I'm 36 and I've lived in, I think 40 homes. Um, I've lived in like 13, maybe 14 States. I always forget. It's, it was a lot. And so there was always yeah. that feeling of being the new girl and needing to fit in. And so I, I'm a bit of a late bloomer as well, because I've been holding on to, you know, a lot of that, what you just said, other or what Emily just said, you know, other mm-hmm. people's opinions of you and, and how important it is to like, be perfect around everyone so that they like you. And it's like, well, fuck that noise. Like, yeah, I want to well, be weird. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and true and vulnerable yes, and, vulnerable. and pure, you know, who you are. But I, I have to remind you and your listeners that our brain's number one job is to keep us safe. So a lot of us trying to fit in, you know, we shouldn't give ourselves a hard time for it because we were just trying to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. And I think I know I have had, you know, in my past life regression work that I've done, I've had a lot of lives where I have been punished for being a healer and where I have been punished for being true to who I am. So I think it took me 40 years to find that safety in my family and in my life to where I could really blossom and bloom to who I truly was and could start telling my brain that it was okay. You know, I I'm safe now. And we have that in common then my dad worked for general electric and we moved every year and a half or two years growing up. So I know that feeling, I know that gut feeling in your stomach where you go to school for the first time in a new school. And it's like, who are you going to sit and have lunch with? Mm -hmm. And you know, how are you going to fit in? And it's, 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 that's hard. It's hard. And it is a history that we had to push off. Yeah. And my, I don't know what yours was, but my survival technique was humor. So I found that that was the fastest way to get friends. You know, that was the fastest way to be Good safe. Good for you. Yeah. No, well, I made myself invisible. I was the quiet girl in the corner and hope, hope nobody would notice I was there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I were more introverted, that would have been my bag too. You know, it's just that this lifetime I'm more extroverted. So I had to figure out a way to talk to people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you mentioned past life regression. When did you start that? And and tell me a little bit about one of your experiences with that or more than well, one. Well, yeah, no. Well, actually the first time I did hypnosis, it was a past life regression. I went to a healer friend of mine. It was maybe five years after I'd started down this path. So I was probably about 45. And I had this overwhelming feeling in me that if of exposure, that if, if I really was truly who I am, that I had a fear of exposure and I had a fear of going down this road as a healer 
And I think it's because in my past lives, I had been punished. Mm. And I, the life that I saw was I was a five or six year old little girl. And it was kind of little house on the prairies time. And I was in a cabin and my mother was there holding my little brother. And these five men rode up on horseback and took me out. I was hiding under the bed in the cabin and they pulled me out from under the bed and took me around back to the creek behind the cabin and drowned me. They put me face down and put a foot on my back and put me face down in the creek until I drowned and then kind of threw my body up on the bank. And so as I'm witnessing this, I'm crying, you know, through the session going, I'm just a little girl. I'm just a little girl, you know, but it made me realize after the session, it kind of took that fear away. It made me realize that that was something that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And that was a fear that was very much alive in me. And it was an energy that very much needed to move. But whether I actually lived in that time or whether it was a story that was explaining the fear I was living in, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I can't tell you. I think either way you, it, you could frame it correctly. In experiencing that experience, I it took the power away from it. I could step fully, more fully into myself. So I think hypnosis is a wonderful tool for that. If you're living with some kind of a boundary or a barrier that you can't really explain, you don't know why you're feeling the way you're feeling, it's a wonderful technique to help explain to you what is going on. Yeah. And in that lifetime, were you a, a healer or were you- I think so, but I didn't see any of that. I don't know what they were afraid of. But I knew for five guys to come and get a five or six year old little girl, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something had happened. You were they witchy. were afraid of me <laughs> on some level. Yeah, I had done something. I had said something. I had witnessed something. But I felt like it was more of I had been a healer in some way, and I had done some kind of healing that freaked them out. Yeah, I feel like men have been drowning and burning and shooting healers yeah. and powerful witches. women powerful women for, for long time, probably longer than we even think. Um, well, I love what you said about how it could either have been a lifetime that you experienced, or it could have just been your subconscious mind trying to show you something. And you were in a state through the hypnosis that allowed you to do that. It doesn't matter. I'm not opposed to past lives. I would, I, I think that's more true than not just because I feel like I've been around before. You know, a lot of things come easy to me. I understand without having to be explained. So I I do have that old soul feeling to me. And I've been told that by many people as well. Also, this I know that the subconscious does work in story, that we work in story. And a lot of our healing happens through story. Absolutely. Yeah. I I love that it doesn't really matter, but I agree with you. First of all, I do think you have an old energy as well. I, I feel that. Um, and I can't actually say that about all my guests, but I could say about, about most of them, I think, because mm-hmm. why, yeah. why else would they be here? Right. Right. It's interesting that when you're in hypnosis, sometimes it turns automatically into a regression, but yes. not, not on purpose. I mean, right. I actually did a, a hypnosis session with, uh, she was kind of a newbie and she was looking for people to, you know, practice on. And so, yeah it was like a free gig. And I was like, sure, why not? I'll record it and it'll be a great experience. Well, I don't know what the fuck was going on at that time, but I scared the shit out of her. 
because I actually went into an alien lifetime. I was an alien and she, and I, you know, I didn't plan to go into that session to do that. We actually started it, I think, because I wanted to work on my confidence and I wanted to work on like feeling powerful in my body. And then, you know, I have no, probably like 30 minutes in or whatever. I was like, and then I see my other alien friends. I mean, it wasn't like that, but it really was like this very detailed, very visceral experience that I had. I cried through like the whole thing. And we were, I mean, I was a refugee um, from this other planet and I had to come to earth and she was like, okay, you know, you could, when I watched the video back, you could see her like, shit, what the fuck do I do? do (laughs) (laughs) Actually, she didn't know what to do and she messed up and she didn't bring me back appropriately. And so I was in like a funk for about a week week and a half until finally I contacted one of my psychic friends and they were like, you need to go to this hypnotist right now. And so I, I booked a a session with her and she fixed, you know, she fixed it. But I want to know what you think about that, that, that idea that like you can go somewhere and then if you're not appropriately brought back, it can leave you in a weird energetic space. That's very uncomfortable. Has that happened to you? It has not happened to me, but I also work with the belief that you don't have to go so deep. You can do your work without going into a a comatose type state. It doesn't matter how relaxed you are as long as you are open and letting your subconscious do what it needs to do. As long as you're not stopping the progression, your subconscious will do what it needs to do. Yeah. I'm sure that has happened, but my clients, again, I don't try to get them to where they're not feeling or not participating. I want them to remember. I want them to be present, but extremely relaxed. Mm. Yeah. I didn't even remember. So I don't know what kind of state she put me in, but I was like in another level, honey. (laughs) Like I was like, where the fuck? And to be honest with you, Mary, like it scared me. Like I felt horrible afterward. And then when I watched myself do that on like the the Zoom recording, I felt very um, afraid. I was like, wait a second, this is really challenging. It was almost like an existential moment. You know, it's like, wait, am I, was I an alien? Like, and did that happen? And there was that, that feeling of such deep sadness of, of being a refugee. And it was, it really stayed with me. Like it kind of fucked me up a little bit. (laughs) Well, but just from what you've told me about your history, Finn, don't you feel like you felt like an alien a lot in your life? Yeah. You were an alien in all those 40 cities that you lived in. Every time you moved to a new place, you were an alien. Yeah. So it again, it's I'm not saying you're not or there's a part of you that isn't or that you have lived a life of that. I'm not. But again, it also could be story of helping you resolve this feeling that you have that you don't belong, that you yeah. are from another world. Whereas, That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, it's not it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. if you were, you weren't. And right. I do feel much better about it now, but right afterward, I was like, yeah. oh God, yeah. you know, I need to see yeah. a psychic. <laughs> I need yeah. to see a healer. I don't know what yeah. I need to see. Clear this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Now your current thing is yeah. rise meditation, right? A hypnotic, hypnotic meditation. meditation. So mm-hmm. that, explain to me how you 
progressed from craniosacral therapy to the hypnosis to then this new version of meditation? Like what, what have you smooshed together to create this new, this new cool thing? I love the word smushed. No, I was a cranial sacral therapist for about 10 years. And I noticed that my clients started coming in and asking me to address things that I felt more, that were more hypnosis could address quicker and easier. And since I had had that experience with myself and my own fear and doing my regression, I knew that it could help my clients go another level, even deeper than what cranial sacral was helping them do. So I was working in a chiropractic office and one of the chiropractors was a hypnotherapist and he was teaching a class. So I took his class and became certified in it. And then I started marrying the two therapies together. The body work and the cranial sacral work gets people so relaxed and so at ease that they're already really relaxed when I start talking them through either a guided imagery scenario or whatever scenario, whatever they would like to address. So we kind of set it up beforehand before they get on the table. And then I would spend probably 20 minutes doing body work to get them relaxed. And then I would put my hand at the juncture of their neck and their shoulders right there at T1, just so I could feel their energy through the session. And then I would talk them through the hypnosis for the last part of the session. And I found that it worked really well together. Um, some of my clients were asking for homework. So I started teaching them self-hypnosis and they would come back and tell me the different ways they were using it. They said, okay, my sleep's better now, but I've got this anger issue with my husband and him leaving wet towels on the floor and I'm trying to get over it. So, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm using it for that. Or yeah. they would tell me what other way they were, you know, my kids are driving me crazy and I don't have any boundaries. I'm going to start working on boundaries. And so they started taking this self-hypnosis that I was teaching them and using it in a lot of different ways. So they helped me explore it and realize that our body's hungry for a hypnotic state, our, our meditation and, and controlling our mind, our bodies and our minds and our spirits are hungry for it. We need that reboot. We need that moment of rest and of processing that we don't always get in a busy life. So when the pandemic happened, my office closed, the one-on-one closed. I was sharing it with three other people. And for not only the pandemic, but a couple other reasons, it closed. And so I was debating whether to get more real estate and rent another space out. But I really wanted, I felt like it was time. I've done this work long enough that I have something to teach. I have something to share it with people so that they can take the work on themselves. Because I think more people are waking up now. I think more people are ready to do their own work and they want to do their own work. They want to get their negative thought processes in line. You know, they're seeing where they're not meeting up the way they'd like to, and they want to start addressing these things. So ARISE is an acronym. It's four steps, which is the four steps of self-hypnosis. So meditation gets you doing it every day, gets you sitting in the same position, maybe lighting the same candle, the same smells, the same environment. So you're training your body and your mind to do this practice. And then uh, doing the four steps of relaxation, imagination, suggestion, and empowerment are the four steps of the self-hypnosis. So when you relax yourself and you do those steps, you can address something to shift. So if you're ready, if you have an imprint that you've been living with, you know, my family pattern has been to do something a certain way. Um, Maybe your family pattern is to be super critical of other people. So your family looks good 
or maybe, you know, there's some other family pattern that you're realizing that doesn't suit you anymore. You can address that and shift it and change it and really reprogram the subconscious to something that benefits you more. How is what you're doing now different than something like, let's say, um, EMDR, right? Like, right. It's very similar and they've been compared quite a bit. Um, what EMDR does is it uses tapping or it uses more of a physiological connection to get to the brain. Um, but it also uses relaxation and imagery as well and suggestion and empowerment. So it's very similar, but this is something I'm trying to teach people so that they can do it on their own. So that when they get triggered, they get in a car accident, they get, you know, in a fight with somebody, they get, you know, they have that coworker that just always rubs them the wrong way, you know, that they'll have a tool that they can soothe their nervous system, that they can make shifts for themselves and have a happier, happier days, happier lives. Yeah, because with EMDR, you have to have somebody guide you through and bring you back. And so your goal with RISE then is to empower people to have these tools for themselves. Is that right? Yes. Yes, you got it. That's great. Yeah. And it is great because, you know, I can't go to my therapist and get EMDR like every time I have, like you said, a car, you know, you have a car accident or like whatever, like any upset during your day, your, what did you say? Your husband's leaving the towels on the floor. (laughs) I don't have a husband, but (laughs) there's a lot of people that deal with that shit. (laughs) Um, and I, I feel like you can't just go to EMDR or even to just like your regular therapist or get a massage to release that energy every single time that towels on the floor or whatever. Right. So being able to to really take the power in your own hands is really enticing to me. And I think it's so important right now because I say this a lot on the podcast. I think we're in the we're in well, we are in the age of Aquarius. And a huge component of that is being your own guru. Mm-hmm. I think this this whole like somebody else has to figure it out for me is dying. You are this great magical kick-ass thing that you you cannot even imagine how amazing you are. I can't even imagine how amazing any of us are, myself, everybody, but we are learning. I think, I think we Mm -hmm. are really starting to like feel that a little bit. It it sometimes feels less than other times, (laughs) but I think we're hungry for it. I think we're really hungry for that peace that addressing our own issues can give us. And I think we have looked outside of ourselves to find that a lot. Whereas now we do need to rely more on ourselves. And I think the pandemic started that in that we couldn't get to our friends, much less our therapists Mm -hmm. easily. And if you did, it was through a camera. It wasn't even one-on-one. So I think we do need to have these tools for ourselves. And I know I've used it in times of emergency quite often. And it's really just practicing it so that it becomes really ingrained in the body and the mind so that you can get there very quickly. A few breaths and shifting your focus will bring you right down into your body. And then you can really deal with the energy that you're feeling. Right. And just to be clear to the listeners, I'm not saying that you should not go to your massage therapist. Oh, yes. Your, your, yeah, your psychic, you you know, of course we all have to help each other. But I think Absolutely. it's just taking a little bit more of that power and, and, and knowing that you don't have to always count on somebody else yeah. to, to quote unquote, save you or heal you. You, you can do well, that 
too. And then I may even go a little further that you need to take the responsibility. Yeah. You need to take the responsibility of your healing into your own hands. And I think sometimes we're waiting for somebody else to take the lift, lift the weight from us, retake the burdens from us. Mm. Whereas we are the ones who are in charge of casting them off permanently. You know, we can, somebody can move that energy for us, but if we're going to stay in the same habit, that energy is going to come right back again. And I learned that through body work. If you're talking somebody through a scenario where their knees are chronically hurting all the time, because they're pushing life and they're stubborn and they won't surrender and they're just fighting all the time. If they're not going to change that behavior, their knees aren't going to get better. Knees are about surrender. Knees are about genuflecting, you know, that where you surrender to life. Okay, life, you're in charge. I'm the pawn. Mm. And sometimes when you have a lot of fight about that, your knees really ache and hurt because you're pushing. You're not surrendering to what life really wants to give you and what you're really meant to have in this life. So it's it's a responsibility I think we have to ourselves and to the rest of the world because what we do affects everybody around us. Mm-hmm. Our energy affects anybody we are in contact with. So we can't affect anyone else's energy. We can't change the world. We can't get guns out of other people's hands. We can't, there's so much we can't do. But what we can do is take responsibility for ourselves and our own happiness and work on that as much as we can. Yeah. As somebody who's had chronic pain most of my life, or I guess it started in my maybe really early twenties, like 21, 22. And it was just progressively got worse and worse. And I I did find out that I do have a rare genetic uh, nerve disorder, but there were some other components as well. And I had to get a pretty serious, very, very rare, of course, surgery. But I bring this up because it, it it wasn't until I started to really embrace who I was and to heal some of that spiritual stuff. It wasn't until I did that that I started to feel like my physical symptoms subsided, just like you said. I mean, it's like I was really relying. This is the problem with Western medicine, right? Like I was yeah. relying so much on Western medicine to figure it out, to get me this medication, to get me this, you know, all the fucking procedures. And it would kind of help here and there, but a lot of times it made it worse Mm -hmm. and, or it gave me more symptoms or what, you know, Mm -hmm. how that I'm sure you experienced that. Every pill does. Right. And I'm not saying I'm anti-Western medicine, but I had an old, an incredible acupuncturist in LA and she said in, she was from Japan and she said in Japan, in the hospitals where you would get like a surgery, because, you know, they have they do like traditional Western medicine surgeries as well. There would also be an acupuncturist in the room next door. So literally like moments after you got cut open, you would go and get acupuncture. It was so, this, smart. so smart, right? Like, and they were like, it needs to happen immediately. There needs to be this like back and forth. So I was putting all my energy into Western practices. And then it wasn't until I started to say, okay, I'm going to move into like really accepting who I am that some of my symptoms just, I'm not even kidding. Like literally just disappeared. Yeah. Your body was screaming at you. Your body was saying, what about me? What about me? You know, put me first, put me first. 
Yeah. And, and keep- until we listen, it's going to keep that dis-ease is going to keep happening until we find ease. And ease is accepting ourselves wholly and purely and beautifully. It's so easy to hear someone say that. I realize that there might be listeners listening right now who are like, fuck you, you know, like, I don't know what it's like, but like, I literally do know what it's like. But I used to listen to people who had said they'd healed their own bodies. And I think, wow, that's amazing. And I'd believe it for a second. And then I'd be like, nah, it's such a personal thing. Like you have to get through whatever resistances yourself until you're finally like, Jesus Christ, I don't have any of that pain anymore. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's so interesting how the mind, the spirit, the body, they really are so connected. And I I honestly don't completely understand how they are connected. It's, it's, it's really an interesting connection. Right. Yeah. But they definitely are. And when you work on one, you affect the others. When you work on controlling your thought patterns, it affects you physically and it affects you spiritually. You know, when you stop going down that negative road mentally, your spirit becomes happier and lighter. So, so does your body. So they do all definitely have an effect on each other. So with rise meditation, hypnotic meditation, you are, what do you offer? I know you have a book um, that you wrote that, that, Yes. puts those tools right in people's hands, but then what else are you offering to people to kind of get them those, those tools that they need? I also teach it in workshops. It's a three hour workshop. So the first half is spent teaching the system of rise and also why it works and how it works. And then the second half of class is spent practicing. So I'll talk you through a number of dis- different scenarios and I'll speak less each time. Because I really want people after the three-hour workshop to leave knowing that they can take this home and they can do it for themselves. They can lay down at night. They can refresh from the day. You know, they can look at what went well and forgive what didn't go well Mm -hmm. and kind of keep things from accumulating. (laughs) And then also uh, one-on-one, I sell time, you know. So if you want, we can meet virtually and discuss what it is you're coming up against. And then I can talk you through some scenarios on how to relieve it and how to get over it. Those are through the website is probably the best way to get a hold of me if you're interested in learning more. And the book is on Amazon. It's called Rise Hypnotic Meditation, same title as the workshop. Awesome. The links for all that are in the show notes, of course. I I wanted to ask, because this is something that I ask everyone besides the past life regressions and the, you know, weird experiences that you had during cranial sacral sessions, have you had any other paranormal or woo experiences, or do you have any connection to any of those experiences? The other one, I think my favorite hypnosis session that I've ever done was a progression. So I wanted to see what my best life looked like. If I was in my most powerful state and this was my most beautiful life, what would it look like? And when I did that, I went to a a time in the future and it was in Africa, but it was very green and I had black skin and I wore a very colorful headdress and very colorful garments. And there was a crowd of hundreds of people around me. And they passed a baby through the crowd to me. And I I was so amazed that nobody was worried about this baby. 
falling or not being held or, or that it was going away from its mother because everybody was one. Everybody was looking out for each other. Everybody was loving each other. And they passed me this baby through the crowd and I held it to my chest and rocked it for a minute. And then I just gave it back to the crowd and like body surfing, this baby went back to its mother. And it was just such a beautiful, it just left me with that goosebump, happy feeling of we really are all one. We really should be looking out for each other and taking care of each other. You know, there's no reason why we aren't living in all this beautiful green space and all this love. It's our egos that keeps us separated. But we really are all, all looking for the same thing and coming up against the same problems granted some more than others you know there's different levels of it so I don't want to displace anything but we can do better and I I think that's hopefully where we're headed and and at least what I hold as my ideal was that feeling that I had in that crowd of people and feeling so safe Mm -hmm. that's sort of the height of safety right to be able to take a baby and put the baby in the crowd and yeah. know that the, the crowd would just Take not. Yeah. Like, I mean, that that's yeah. really, that's a really special image or experience that you had. Can you explain the, me- the mechanics of a progression? Because I've heard a lot about regressions. Is it just the mm-hmm. same thing? You just the same thing, but you, you just- asked what future life would you like to look at? And the future life I wanted was the one where I was my most powerful and my most true to who I am. So like a regression, you're usually not just going to the past, but you're going to a past with purpose. Right. You know, you, you want to look at a, a certain life that will explain something to you. So I wanted this one to be of, of the future of what, you know, what's my biggest hopes and dreams of what I could be and what our, our world could be. And right. that was the picture that came to me. Now, story. do you offer regressions and progression? I mean, do you do that or? I haven't done any virtually, to be honest. I haven't done that. And I've only done those in person. So I would be open to trying it and working on that. If somebody would like to try it, I, I think it would work just fine. But honestly, I haven't been asked to do that since I've been working virtually. I can't imagine why they're so cool. Right. right. <laughs> Let's all be doing progression. So they feel yeah. very empowering. <laughs> right. And where we're headed. That's what I kind of wanted to see. Like what, you know, where's this world headed? What's our best life? What could it be? Especially now there's such a feeling of hopelessness. And I think the intrinsic message of that image that you explained it, it, to me is hope. I mean, it's just this yeah. hope that there is the possibility that we could evolve into kinder human beings. Or Because we're not taking care of our babies now. Yeah, we certainly are not. No, we are not. That's another podcast. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I know, you know, yeah. we know. Yeah. 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 Any other uh, woo experiences you'd like to share? Um, No, I just love, I think it's so interesting how anytime anyone goes inside with a question and asks their deepest part of themselves a question, it is always so beautiful what comes forward. And you can never guess what it's going to be. You can never be sure. 
you know, you might think, you know, but the subconscious is always longing to heal. And it's always longing to put our best foot forward. It will heal as it needs to heal. I feel a little self-conscious sharing too many of my clients' stories, but it's amazing how they work with energy. I work with one woman. um, She's a singer and she travels performing. And she was getting very anxious trying to hit a certain note on a certain song. And so we did hypnosis with it. And what we came up with and what she uses now is drawing energy up through her feet and it adds a power to her voice. So she can always hit that note now and she doesn't live in that anxiety. She was having panic attacks and getting anxious about singing this one song because if she was traveling or if she you know, had a late night the night before, she was, it was really struggling with it. Mm-hmm. So it's just our bodies and our minds and our spirits will give us the answers if we can quiet down and slow down enough to turn inwards. Do you think spirit guides exist? Because I know a lot of what you've been saying is that we actually teach ourselves and each other through story. Our subconscious teaches us through through story. And that in the end, it doesn't really matter if there's a spirit guide or there's not a spirit guide. But do you actually believe that there there are guides that that help us? I I do, but you have to ask for them. Mm. So when I get challenged or when I need their support and their help, I ask for it. I say, okay, come in. I need you today. Or if I'm struggling with something, I need to surrender it to them. I do. I also ask for validation. When I first started doing this work, I was putting my hands on people with this very light touch and I couldn't feel it in my hands yet. My hands hadn't waken up yet. So I wasn't sure what I was doing. And so I would ask for validation. And sure enough, a client would say, oh, your hands feel really warm right there. As soon as I asked for that validation, am I doing anything? Should I be sitting here? So yes. And the other one that's been coming to me and maybe you know, you've had the same experiences when I'm really asking for support and for feeling that guided support. And I'm not sure if this is my father who had passed that's helping me or other ancestors or guides, maybe all of the above, but I'll see the the repetition of time of a number like 444 or 555 or 333, or I will catch that more times than not. So when I look at the clock, more times than not, the numbers are all the same. And that's just weird. That's, that's, it's like, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, and I give them thanks and gratitude. So I definitely think we have aid and support out there in helping us, but we need to ask for it. And if we don't ask for it, we won't get it. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's it's like you have to develop a relationship with them and that I've heard it explained different ways that you know, sometimes people have said like, they really aren't meant to mess with us unless we are actively working with them. And if we don't know they exist, then they just kind of stay in the background, you know, maybe, right. maybe here and there, if you're about to like die or something, they, they pop in if they can, maybe not. I don't really fucking know. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it depends person to person. I remember the first time that somebody connected me with spirit guides. And it's like you said, I think you said with your client, like you ask, they ask the question and then it's amazing. They have no idea what's going to come, but it does come and it comes every time. Yeah. It's startling almost. Yeah. The first time. Yeah. No. And it makes you realize how much 
assets we have that were going unused. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like, dang. (laughs) They're up there having a cup of coffee and, you know. Yeah. Hanging out and just look, you know, going, just ask. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. Why why aren't they asking? (laughs) We are here. Yeah. I I remember the, one of the first times I did it, I was, I was just sitting there and the person who was guiding me said, you know, I see three that are here right now. Mm -hmm. And she just said, okay, turn your head to the right. And there's the one and just ask them, you know, and I'm thinking, because I was a little bit more skeptical at the moment at that moment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking, I don't know, I'm going to ask nothing's going to happen. And it was like, a, almost like a, a slap in the face. That's how fast it was. Like, it was like, before I could even get the question out, the answer was there. Yeah. It, it was kind of weird. Yeah. 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 They're that anxious. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> it's like you a know? dam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, could you imagine watching the world right now? If you were up in another field and you were watching what's happening, Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want to jump in? <laughs> I <Yes>. would. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, jump in and get my two bits. Yeah, I'd be like, who's in charge around here? Can yeah. can we just break some of these rules, whatever these rules are, yeah. these universal yeah. laws or whatever they are? And and yeah, it must be impossibly difficult to watch us. Yeah, yeah. I did do a regression once where I went to and saw kind of the contract that I came into the world with, and I was ended up in a courtroom. And the judges, the bench of judges were my guides. And the head guy, Omar was his name, mm-hmm. bald and kind of looked like an alien, had a big <laughs> white coat on, um, came up to me and told me to get back. He's like, what are you doing here? You got work to do. Go back. Like, why are you asking these dumb questions? Like, and I think what I was asking, like, am I on my path? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? It's like, just go do it. You know, what are you doing here? What, what, why are you even here? <laughs> That attitude really stuck with me too. It was that, you know, bother them for the stuff you really need to bother them for, that you really need help with. But, you know, I think when you keep asking the same question over and over and you keep harping on the same thing, you're not trusting that things are evolving as they should. And I think some of the questions we may have and some of the help we may ask for, we're not supposed to have. Mm -hmm. So because we get turned down or because nothing seems to be manifesting, it doesn't mean that it's happening wrong or that you did it wrong. It's it's having that faith that life is bringing you, as long as you're staying open, life will bring you what you need. Right. I had a period, I think it was maybe last year or the year before. I don't know. This whole pandemic is just like a pool of weird time zone. Yeah. But I kept asking that the same question and lo and behold, every single day for like, I think it was something like I kept a tarot journal. I was using tarot cards yeah, and I, I, I was asking the same question and it was really just not, not trusting, like you said. And I think it was eight, 10 days in a row. I pulled the exact same tarot card. And What was interesting is that the tarot card itself really didn't have much to do with what I was asking because it was just like, stop asking. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we're we're not going to give. Just wait. Yeah. Like, we're not going to give you a different card. And every once in a while, it's funny. Now they know it's almost like the the 444, 1111 you were saying. It's like every once in a while, I'll get stuck in that same card. I think it's four of pentacles. 
and I'll get that same card like three days in a row. And I know it's some, some, but they figured out that's a way that I will be, I'll communicate with you. Yeah. yeah. They'll get your attention. And I'll be like, all right, all right. Or I'll say it out loud. I'll be like, fine, fine. I'll stop. But they know that now that four of pentacles is, is a way to get to me. Yeah. It's (laughs) like, that's the shut up card. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Shut up and just do your work. Yeah. Well, we talked about possibly doing like a sample of a session. Sure. Yeah. Still feel comfortable doing that. I'm fine with that. Is there anything you'd like to address specifically? Oh, geez. Or do you want to do something general or what would you like to? I'd I'd like to address the paranormal show that is in pre-production that I'm working on right now. Do I have to have a specific question or can it just be that subject? How can we word that? So that it could be for anybody's projects. Oh, yeah. So how about the project that I'm working on? Mm-hmm. What do I need to know to get it to grow? Is that the okay. simplest way to do it for, for the listeners to kind of be involved if they want to try that? Either that or the other way I would suggest is to get rid of any blocks between you and and finishing this project successfully and as easily as possible. I like that better. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. Blocks to success. I feel like every almost everybody can relate to that. Yeah, right? We're all got something on our plate. Okay. So we're going to do a session for blocks that might be keeping you from succeeding in whatever you're pursuing at this time or whatever project you have going on. And you may know what some of these blocks are and other blocks, you may not know what they are. They're just things there that are, are holding you back or slowing you up from your progression. So if you would take a deep breath and close your eyes and really settle into where you are seated or lie down. If you can lie down. Get really comfortable and take another deep breath, really feeling your back and the back of your legs being supported so that you don't have to hold yourself up at all. Let your shoulders relax, let your body relax. And as you do that, I'd like you to begin to imagine a warm pool of energy at your feet, just kind of swirling around the soles of your feet. And on your next inhale, if you would allow that energy to enter through the soles of your feet, relaxing your feet and your ankles. And then draw that energy up through your shins and your calves, relaxing those muscles and the connective tissue there. Let it flow up to your knees, relaxing your knees, that big joint. And through your thighs, allow it to swirl up into your hips, filling your hips and your pelvic bowl, just relaxing all those layers of tissue that are in your hips. And then on your next inhale, allow that energy to begin to flow upwards, filling your abdomen, relaxing your digestive organs. 
allow this warm, relaxing energy to relax your respiratory diaphragm and let your breath become even more, more even and less labored. And then this energy moves up into your chest, filling your lungs, relaxing all that tender tissue of your lungs. And then also swirling around your heart, relaxing the muscle muscles around your heart. And then gather that warm relaxation in your right shoulder. Allow it to gather and to mound up and relaxing that right shoulder. And when that shoulder becomes full of this warm, relaxing energy, let it spill down your right arm, through your right elbow, and out the fingers and thumb of your right hand. And as that is releasing, allow that energy to also begin to mound up in your left shoulder. And when that left shoulder becomes full of that warm, relaxing energy, allow it to flow down your left arm and out the fingers and thumb of your left hand. And then take another deep breath and allow that energy to move up through your throat and your neck, relaxing all the tissue there. Allow it to flow up over the top of your head, relaxing your scalp and even your hair. Relax your face. Relax your jaw. Even let your eyes fall a little deeper into their sockets, relaxing deeply. I'd like you to imagine a beautiful field out near the woods. Notice the green, the grass under your feet and the trees around you. And then look up in your mind's eye and notice the color of the sky. If it's blue today, what color blue? Notice that there are clouds, and if there are, what kind of clouds? Is there a wind blowing? Do you hear the wind rustling through the trees? Do you see it moving the tall grass? And do you hear any birds, any animals in the woods, maybe some squirrels scampering around in the leaves? Just notice. And looking down at your feet, you're going to notice that there's a pathway created deep that goes deep into the woods. And I'd like you to follow this path, and I'm going to count down 10 to 1. And with each number that I say, I'd like you to take another step deeper into the woods following this path. So from 10 to 9, loose, limp, and relaxed, to 8 to seven, six, your knees are nice and relaxed and loose now, to five, you're almost kind of floaty down this path, four, three, sinking down, two, and one. 
I'd like you to notice ahead of you that there's a big hole in the ground. And around this hole in the ground in the woods are boxes. And all of these boxes represent blocks to your project and what you need to succeed with right now. And whatever is holding you back or any blockage that you are in control of, let it be represented in a box at the edge of this hole. So again, some of these you may know and some of them you don't know. Some of these boxes may have labels on them. Some of them may not. And it really doesn't matter. You don't need to know what your block is or what your challenge is. Your job is to push those boxes into the hole. So I'd like you to now go around very thoroughly, really look around the woods and find all of the boxes that are around this hole and push them into the hole and allow them to go deep into the ground so that the earth can heal them. Okay, good job. Now bury them, all that loose dirt around the edge. You can get out a shovel, you can use a bulldozer if you want, or you could use your hands and your feet. Doesn't really matter, but just get that dirt into the hole and bury those boxes deep. And again, nod to me when you've got them buried. Okay, good job. Now I'd like you to stand up on top of that mound of dirt in the superhero pose. So stand there like Wonder Woman, have your legs in the A-frame, have your fists on your hips, feel your body very tall, your spine very tall and straight, the crown of your head pointing towards the sky, and feel the power of what you've just done. Feel that in your body. That you are a superhero, that you just have done this work and now you are ready to move forward and complete this project. So feel that power in your body. And when you're done, whenever you're ready, start walking out of the woods the same way you came in. Find that path again and begin walking down the path. And I'm going to count you out of the woods from five to one. So five to four, coming out, feeling the sun on your face again as you enter the grassy part of the woods. Four. Three, feeling your fingers and your toes and wiggling them a little bit. Three, two, and one. Coming back to the present moment, feeling your back and your legs on the chair where you're seated. And coming back to me. How was that, Dan? That was cool. There was a big stack of boxes right next to this big hole and they all had the label pain on them which was really curious but it tracks and then there was this one box that was sort of further in the woods that it didn't want me to get it and I had to go and retrieve that one and and put it in the the big hole yeah. And and then the other was the first box that I got in. I was almost like, oh no, this is going to take forever because that one was really heavy, the first one, and it didn't have a label. Okay. 
but it was really heavy. And I had to like, I mean, I could see myself, like I had my back, like pushed against it and I was pushing into the dirt to try to get it in. I mean, I did, I finally got them all, but yeah, you grunted at one point. I could tell you were working hard. Yeah. Like you were, you had to really (laughs) put force on it to move it, but that's huge because that force is that part of you that really wants this to move, that really wants whatever it is. It doesn't, you don't need to know what it is. You don't care what it is, but that big box, you're going in the hole. So it's you, that part of yourself that's saying, yes, things are going to shift. Things are going to be different from here on out. My humor almost always pops into these sessions because at the very end, there were like these teeny tiny boxes that were like, (laughs) you know, like two, two inches by two inches. And all of a sudden, uh, a uh, golf club mysteriously <laughs> came into focus, and I just started oh, fun. whipping them into. But those, those, that was like the finale. Was that those Love last little that. baby boxes? <laughs> Love that. Yeah. See, and that your subconscious came up with the golf club. That's a new one. I have never heard that one before, and I love that. I think my subconscious tries to do that so that it feels more like me. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. yeah. Like I yeah. would be stu- silly about it and I would get a golf club yeah. or like make it this big dramatic yeah. move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And and then I did have to use a bulldozer because it was a really big hole. And I decided that having like those big, you know, those yellow bug glasses that you wear when you're doing like construction. Yeah. I had those on too. <laughs> So I get my subconscious wanted to give just little pieces of, of like humor in there. You, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect. Yeah. Good but work. Your voice is very comforting. And um, I felt safe, you know, during the process of the most important into the woods. thing. Thank you. Any of the listeners who did that just with me, I'd love to hear how that went for you. And me too. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to to go further with you, Mary, I really would. I'd like to schedule something, you know, if we sure, do sure. something further, maybe after I read your book, we yeah. should get back together and kind of do something. Absolutely. Else. And I do one-on-one work, but also I'm teaching in Louisville in June, June 18th, and then another one in July too. So if you or anybody else is in the local area, would like to join that you are welcome to that's also on my website but it's the 18th of june i am kind of out of it now <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. yeah i feel like i need to yeah. eat something you know that yeah, go feeling. do that go yeah. do that yeah. yeah but thank you so much for chatting and for doing that little session at the end there it was such a delight to chat with you seriously thank you thank you and i i would love to meet up sometime too but we're going to make it happen yeah okay All right. Well, um, have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon, Mary. Thank you, Ben. All right. See you later. Bye. Did you do the meditation? If you did, how did it go? Let me know if you want to. I'm really curious if anybody had some remarkable experiences, if you were able to see the labels on the boxes, or if you were like me and some of them you saw labels on, some of them you didn't. Were there tiny boxes? Were there big boxes? Did you have a golf club? You know, what was it like for you? And it could be that nothing happened. 
right? It took me a few times doing hypnosis to really let go and get into it. So you may want to listen to that again if it didn't seem to work the first time. The bottom line is the more you can let go and be super comfortable in your body, the easier it will be to go under, so to speak. Also, remember, Mary likes to use a much more gentle way of going under. So you can go way deeper than that if you wish. There are many different styles of hypnosis. So Godspeed. We'll probably dive more into hypnosis as time goes on. Also, how cool is it that Mary is in Louisville, where I am? We didn't even know that until we got into it in the pre-call. So if you're in the Louisville area, definitely check out what she's got going on because she does do a lot of events which you can find on her website, risehypnoticmeditation.com. And I know she's offering a three-hour training on June 18th from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. at Collective Wellness and Spa. All that information is on the website. And I'll make sure that that actual training is a separate link in the show notes for you as well. You can also purchase Mary's book, Rise Hypnotic Meditation on Amazon, and you can do one-on-one work with Mary. She offers a three-hour executive training package, and she does 45-minute virtual hypnosis meditation sessions. You can contact her about those at info at risehypnoticmeditation.com. All right, my witches and weirdos, be nice to yourselves, be nice to each other. I'll talk to you next week with more woo. Bye. Thank you for following The Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow The Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 